0: This is a Willets Point-Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willets Point-Shea Stadium. Subway to Shea podcast, Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happening surrounding that lucky team from Queens, the New York Mets. Live from the Subway to Shea studios in my office, episode 75 is here. What a weekend. What a weekend of baseball in New York. What a weekend of baseball in Queens. What a weekend of baseball. Baseball at City Field, and let's get right into it. Those lucky New York Mets taking on the Atlanta Braves. And the Mets put the Braves on notice. The Mets took four out of five from the Braves this past weekend, increasing their division lead to six and a half games. That's right, six and a half. So the division is not over yet, but the Mets state claim this weekend to the NL East the Mets are 31 and 22 versus teams over 500 and at home the Mets are 35 and 18 you look at the Braves and what they've done against teams over 500 21 and 26 versus those teams over 500. Very deceiving, right? You look at them playing away from Atlanta, 27 and 24, only three games over 500. This weekend, I got to tell you, the Braves look shook. I put that out on Twitter. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people retweeted it, but the Braves looked shook. They weren't playing like we are all used to seeing. It was like the Mets gave them a rude awakening with their great play. Or maybe the luck, according to a lot of Braves fans. A comedy of errors, uneasiness, and it seemed that their psyche just was way off. It seemed to not only affect the players, but the Braves fans as well. You know, watching their behavior on Twitter was interesting. Just like I said, they really seemed shook as well that they started bringing up the luck card. They even had Spencer Strider in postgame comments claiming the Mets were lucky. Just take the L. It's okay every once in a while to take the L. I know the Mets have. Mets fans have definitely have taken the L a whole number of times. And we've taken the L from the Braves for so long. Three decades worth of Ls. Remember that time period from 98 to 2005? That was my introduction to Mets baseball. And we were owned by the Braves. 99 playoffs, 2001, the list goes on and on. We took the hits. We took the body blows. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world for the Braves. It's not the end of the world, Braves fans. In all seriousness, we all know how good the Braves are and that this division is not over yet. They're the world champions, and I never for once took them lightly, even when we were 10 and a half games up around, what was it, May and June. With that said, the Atlanta Braves and their fan base can take the L this weekend they're shook. They should be. The Mets are the real deal. They've proved it day in and day out this year. And this series is no different. Now let's dive into the top storylines of this series. And we're going to kind of work our way backwards because you have to start off with what happened on Sunday and Jacob deGrom to de go. Jacob deGrom dominated in his return to Queens. I don't know about you, but watching him walk to the mound to Simple Man, it just gave me goosebumps. First time in over a year, he pitched at City Field. And guess what, folks? Guess what, Met fans? We all know he didn't disappoint. Jake pretty much dominated the Braves for five and two thirds innings pitched. He was perfect. Perfect. This is coming off of his now second start that was. Only gave up one hit, gave up one walk. Two earned runs, 12 strikeouts, everyone, 12 strikeouts on 76 pitches. He passed Hugh Darvish for the most strikeouts by a pitcher through 200 career appearances, 1,523 strikeouts. He reached 102 miles per hour on the fastball. He got the Braves swinging and missing and whiffing at 18 of 20 sliders. He was perfect for five and two-thirds innings pitched in his second start back from the I.L. In his second start in over a year, flirting with perfection. Erie Adrianza got the walk, followed up by a Dansby Swanson home run. Now, I know people were going to say, you know, what if? What if he got through that inning? Would they allow him to go? And thankfully, Buck Showalter said no. I'm actually kind of glad he gave up the walk. Not so much glad about the homer, but the hit as well. Because as much as you want to see a perfect game, especially from the greatest pitcher the Mets have seen this decade and just the greatest pitcher probably in all of Major League Baseball this decade, just based on his track record and what he's done. You could probably throw Max Scherzer in there as well and a Clayton Kershaw in there as well. But as much as all of us Met fans wanted to see that perfect game, it's better this way. More importantly than a perfect game, I want to see Jacob deGrom hoist that World Series trophy this year. I want him healthy, and I want him going into the playoffs being able to pitch seven innings, a hundred pitches, build him up, and let him get there. Got a little less than a month and a half left in the season. Let's get him ready for the postseason let him warm up here, and let him get ready for the postseason. Now, Jake is always so hard on himself that even when Buck came to take him out and he got a standing of ovation from the Mets and City Faithful, he just shook his head in disappointment. Not disappointed at the fans, but in himself. What? Like, really, what? I can't understand how he just gets so disappointed in himself. He pitched so well, but he was really upset about giving up that home run and giving up the walk. You could tell. It was just eating away at him. And we've known this about his personality and how he goes about playing baseball. I'm just glad he's on our side. Jake continues to show why he is an ace and why he has been one of the best pitchers in baseball this decade. Now, from one ace to another, the night before, Saturday night, game two of the doubleheader, Mad Max Scherzer capped that doubleheader off with the win, culminating in a sweep of the Atlanta Braves on Saturday. The Mets won 6-2. Scherzer pitched seven innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, and 11 strikeouts on 108 pitches. He himself is building up for the postseason. And if you look at what he has done this season alone for the New York Mets, 8-2 with a 1.98 ERA in 15 games started. 120 strikeouts, a whip of .90, two games away from win number 200, and a career ERA of 3.11. If the Mets win a World Series in his time in New York, and he continues to pitch the way he has, he may become the most important, impactful signing, signing in Mets history. He's always holding court in the dugout, you can see once he's out of the game, He's talking with his rotation and the rest of the guys, and they're just listening. You see him in the dugout with Jake, see them two chatting it up, and you can't hold back your excitement that these two pitchers, this two-headed monster, is in Queens playing at Citi Field for our New York Mets. Funny thing, the if you saw the you know bat ball boy who ran across while he was in mid-windup, what was that kid thinking? You would have probably thought that Max would have tore his head off Afterwards, I'm pretty sure the kid apologized and everything, but wow, you know, that could have ended up Max could have got hurt on the windup, or thankfully he saw him and he was able to stop mid windup. But that was a close call there. Continuing this theme of starting pitching, going from game two, we said we we're going to keep going backwards. How about game one of the doubleheader? David Peterson coming through in game one, five and a third innings pitched, three hits. No runs, three walks, and five strikeouts on 81 pitches. Coming back from AAA, you know, Buck took him out at the right time, keeping his confidence at an all-time high. He has filled in nicely when called upon. Every time they've called him back up, he's pitched pretty well. I know he had the rough two games coming out of the bullpen, but maybe that's something that he can work on moving forward. I don't know how much the Mets are going to use him in the bullpen moving forward. You know, this is what we were hoping for. This production that David Peterson has been giving us this season and in his first season coming up as a Met, this is what we were hoping for from Steven Matz. We thought that Steven Matz was going to be this guy. And you look at what Peterson has done this season for the Mets. 6-2, three thirty ERA in 14 games started, total of 18 games, 91 strikeouts. Whenever called upon... He has delivered, and, you know, in his last, what is it, three starts, or the last three appearances, well, two of them coming out of the bullpen, you know, he gave up two runs against the Yankees, the big home run to Glaber Torres, then he gave up a run to San Diego. I don't know how much they're going to push him to try to be that lefty out of the bullpen because he can handle lefties pretty well. Lefties are batting 169 against him, and he's got 24 strikeouts, eight walks, Will he be that piece that comes out of the bullpen? I don't know at this moment, especially what we saw on Sunday from Joely Rodriguez. You know how I talked about last episode, is Billy Epler really going to count on Joely Rodriguez in a big spot in the postseason? And Epler talked about it during his presser after the trade deadline, that he believes in Joey Rodriguez, and he really feels that he can turn it around. And on Sunday, you know, as much as I can critique Joey Rodriguez, you got to give the man credit. It was the best game of the season for him. Two and a third innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, and four strikeouts. Much needed performance from him. Like I said, it's the best of the season. Can he get to a point where he is relied upon in a big spot, especially in the postseason? I think it's possible if he can limit the walks. That's his biggest problem. His biggest problem is limiting walks. In 13 and a third innings pitched over the last 15 games, he's given up 10 walks. And we look at what he does against lefties. They're batting 196 against him. The problem is the walks, right? Lefties, he's given up 11 walks. Righties, 10 walks. Gotta limit the walks. Need him to get to the point where he's a valuable piece to go to. Sunday was very important for him. And we need not only him, but a lot of the relievers on this team are right in the middle, right? If in the postseason, we can get six to seven innings out of our starters, then three to six outs will be that middle relief because then you go to the closer. And as we transition, we know that they have a dominant closer who keeps on doing unprecedented things. Edwin Diaz this weekend. Now we're going to go the opposite way. We're going to go from Thursday to Sunday. Thursday, two innings, six outs saved. The first of his career, striking out three, only giving up one hit. Saturday in game one, he kind of had to be wasted because Juan Lopez couldn't close out the game. Lopez gave up three runs and made it a save situation. So, what does Diaz do? Comes in to get the final two outs of the ninth, strikes out a batter. But then, Sunday, in what felt like one of the biggest atmospheres all year, DeGrom pitching the way he did, Mets playing the way they've been playing, the offense doing their thing. Edwin Diaz comes out for the save. And what does he do? What he's done most of all this season. Dominated that Atlanta Braves offense. Striking out the side with authority. Edwin Diaz has been amazing this season. And I'll eat crow. I'll eat crow right here. Because I said that if Edwin Diaz pitches well, that they should trade him midseason, get prospects, or get what they can. Because he was going to become a free agent, and I didn't think that they would re-sign him. And that quite possibly, at the time, in the offseason, in spring training, that Seth Lugo could be the guy to close. He proved it in 2019 that he could close, and he hasn't really been the same since 2019. So I'm going to eat some crow here. Edwin Diaz has been absolutely amazing. And now, the Mets should absolutely try to sign him. He's probably the best reliever in baseball right now. We don't know how things are going to turn out in the postseason and if he can keep this up, but this season, 2-1 and one, with a 1.39 ERA in 45 and a third innings pitched, 91 strikeouts. He's got 26 saves. You look at his last 30 games, 30 and one-thirds innings pitched, 64 strikeouts to 7 walks. Are we for real here? And in the last 15 games, 34 strikeouts to one walk. One. He has an ERA of zero. He hasn't given up any runs. I mean, this guy should be getting Cy Young votes, quite possibly MVP votes. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but he should get some votes because of how dominant he's been. If the Mets in the postseason, if they are going to continue on this path and get to the postseason... And you have the starting pitching staff you do going six innings or seven and quite possibly getting, you know, three to six outs from the bullpen, then getting you to Edwin Diaz. That's all you can ask for. That is absolutely all you can ask for. Now we talked about the pitching this whole show. Let's get into the offense. The Mets picked off where they left off in Atlanta, grinding at bats, working the count, Hustling. This is known to the Atlanta fan base and their players as getting lucky. But we really know what it is. The Mets offense got to the Braves' bullpen early and fast. You look at the starters in this five-game series. Kyle Wright and Max Freed were the only two to get to six innings pitched. Jake Odorizzi and Ian Anderson, four and two-thirds innings pitched. Spencer Strider, two and two-thirds innings pitched. Couldn't even get out of the third inning. This proved to be a huge series, like has been all season, for Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso. And the way they've played and helped generate offense this season for the Mets has been incredible. Look at Francisco Lindor this year 19 home runs, 77 RBIs, a 270 batting average, OPS of 807. In the last 15 games, he has three home runs, 11 RBIs, and nine walks. On top of that, he's got 15 runs and a 429 batting average. .500 base percentage, 500 on base percentage, and 679 slugging. Look at what he did this series against Atlanta in these five games alone. Two for five, three for four, one for three, two for four. He has scored a run in every game in the month of August. What more can you ask for? From Francisco Lindor. And if you're telling me that he's not worth the money. I don't know what to tell you then. He's been worth every penny this season. And he's delivered. Let's go to the polar bear. Pete Alonso. How about how he's played? He is on pace for some MVP votes. 29 home runs. 95 RBIs. Batting 283, OPS of 912. Come on. Last 15 games batting 393. With five home runs and 17 RBIs. Even has 10 walks, 14 runs, slugging 768. Pete has been consistent all season long, spraying the ball everywhere. Got a hit in every game of this series. Went two for four, one for four, one for four, three for four, one for three. Scored, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven RBIs in this series off to a great August, batting 367. On top of that, you can see how much fun he's having. You see after every hit, after every run scored, even every play that comes to first base, you see that fire, you see that desire in Pete Alonso. Pretty much means to me that that boy's captain material. That polar bear is captain material. I would not be surprised if he's the next Mets captain. With Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonzo playing so well, everyone else has been contributing as well, including Billy Epler's trade deadline haul. Daniel Vogelback had a home run on Thursday. Tyler Naquin had two home runs on Thursday. Darren Ruff had a big hit of his own in the Mets' loss. In his first at-bat, he almost hit a home run. Gotta give kudos to the moves Billy Epler made. I know I gave him a C grade in the last podcast for what happened at the deadline, and it had a lot to do with, you know, everything that was going around the Mets. But you sit back, you look at the moves that he's made and these component pieces that he's put together for this team, and everything has just worked so far. And especially in this series, it has worked. This lineup never gives up, even in their only loss to the Braves, where Taiwan Walker gave up eight runs. They fought back. They fought back. They made it a game from 8-nothing to 8-to-6. There's no quit in this team. They have this never say die attitude. We're really watching something special this year. Now, some final notes before this train leaves the station. I mentioned Taiwan Walker and we got to keep a watch out on Taiwan Walker. Had a rough outing against the Braves, gave up 8 earned runs. But in the first inning, I don't know if this affected him, but his spike got caught, and it threw him off his game. Don't know if that impacted his hip or not, but it's something to watch moving forward, moving into his next start. He's scheduled to make his next start against the Cincinnati Reds, so we'll see if that injury is still affecting him. Now, congrats to Carlos Carrasco. You know, we talked about DeGrom. We talked about Peterson and Scherzer. We didn't talk about Carlos Carrasco who, you know, congrats to him because he won his 12th game. He's 12-4 and with a 3.82 ERA, six innings pitched, four hits, three earned runs, one walk, and six strikeouts against the Atlanta Braves. He continues to be a huge part of this rotation and has kept things going, especially when DeGrom was out and when we lost um, Scherzer for a little while. He's been consistent. And has pitched very well for the Mets. And another pitcher who's of the utmost importance, how about Trevor Williams? Look, we haven't had a good long man in the pitching staff since Darren Oliver in 2006. You gotta really consider holding on to Trevor Williams. He may be someone they need to keep moving forward. He knows his role and fits in well. He's underrated for the work he does. In Friday's loss, He came in relief and pitched four innings, gave up no runs, one walk, two strikeouts. I don't think it's... I think it's very understated, let's say that. I think it's very understated how important his performance was on Friday because you go to the Braves and the Braves had to go to their bullpen early as well with Ian Anderson and they had to use up all their best pitchers just to win this game on Friday. And Then you go to the doubleheader they didn't have their best relievers going out there. And then Sunday, they had to go to the bullpen as well, and that didn't help. But when you got a guy like Trevor Williams doing what he does, it's so important. So very, very important. The record doesn't show, 2-5, and five, but he's got a 3.16 ERA. And in the last seven games, he's 1-1 one one with a 1.96 ERA. What more could you ask for? I don't know where he'll fit in when we come to the playoffs because obviously one or two of the members of the rotation will probably hit the bullpen. So we'll see. But Trevor Williams has been so important to this team. It cannot be overstated how important he is to this New York Mets team. Well, we're going to wrap up the Subway to Shea podcast there. I thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to follow. The Subway to Shea podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, I can't thank you enough for joining. And welcome to the Subway to Shea family. And I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I just mentioned. And make sure to share it with your fellow Mets fans. Let them know that this is the Mets podcast to listen to. If you've been a supporter this whole time, this show wouldn't be where it is right now without you. So thank you very much. And because of you, Subway to Shea is global. This podcast is not only played in the U.S., but also reaches across the globe. So no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes. Write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So by going on Apple Podcasts, leaving me a one to five-star rating, hopefully it's five stars, and leaving comments in the review section, it could only help me to help this podcast grow. And I got a review here from XOLGM. Says, great, I'm a new listener and have been enjoying it all. Great in-depth discussions about the Mets. Let's go mess. Well, thank you, XOLGM. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But thank you for being a new listener. I appreciate it. And I hope you consider coming back. I hope you consider subscribing. And these are the type of comments that I'm looking for. And even if you don't like the show, I, I, I want to know what it is that you don't like so that I can work on making it better. You can also rate the show on Spotify. There's no comment section so you can just rate it from 1 to 5 stars and let people know that you like listening on Spotify as well don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the Fan Sided Network you can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple blog and the Fan Sided Network at FanSided Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. I keep saying it, but I really, really appreciate it. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets.